Today we're going to be studying Exodus 12. Jesus is the Passover lamb. But I want to give us a little context first. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14. And as you're turning there, we just got done celebrating Easter. We we got done celebrating Jesus's triumphal entry. We got done celebrating the sacrifices made by Jesus, uh, not only on the cross, but going uh, through the trials and the, the beatings and the spittings and the mockings. We saw that this was all planned by Jesus. It was not a surprise. In fact, uh, he predicts it. He tells the disciples what's going to happen, and, and yet they're still shocked. But what one of the amazing things that we see just before his crucifixion is this process of uh, the Passover and communion. So let me read in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. We read this at least once a month, we study this, but do we really understand where this comes from? It's essential. It's essential for us to understand uh, what was taking place at Passover. It's essential for us to understand uh, exactly what Jesus is doing as what we really understand is Jesus's is going through a transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. He's going from a transition of uh, Passover to communion. It's a very powerful uh, point in time, and yet at the time it was taking place, they, they didn't even understand what was happening. And so one of the concluding acts in the life of Jesus was to actually transform Passover, one of the most traditional uh, celebrations of, of the Jews into communion. And, and again, we need to understand Passover is one of the key pillars of the Old Testament. And it, and it transcends into the New Testament and into New Testament meeting. More than just tradition or typology, Passover represented uh, these key pillars to the Christian faith uh, that were ultimately fulfilled on the cross by Jesus. And so if we understand Passover, then we understand why Jesus had to go to Calvary and we understand what it means that Jesus went to Calvary and died on the cross. And it helps us to understand the impact of this amazing transition from Passover to communion. And so today we look at the foreshadowing of the better and final Passover lamb as we discover four reasons why Jesus had to, had to die. 
we, we want to look at the foreshadowing of the better and final Passover lamb as we discover four reasons why Jesus had to die. Jesus is your sacrificial lamb. Jesus is your spotless offering. Jesus is your blood atonement or payment. And Jesus is your freedom. And so as we're turning back to, to Exodus 12, I want to give you a little bit of background. As we arrive at Exodus 12, Israel is enslaved by Egypt. It's been about 400 years of bondage. And what's taken place is, is slavery and oppression. And so the people of Israel are crying out to God. Israel is looking to be saved, not only from the tyranny of, uh, you know, the government of Egypt, but but also from the false worship of Egyptian uh, polytheism. And, and, and so, just like Israel, each one of us at some point in time uh, will, will cry out uh, to God for salvation, maybe even thinking that we're all alone and then he's not there like the Israelites. Remember, the Israelites were in bondage for 400 years and they felt as though nobody's there and nobody's listening. But God was there and God was listening. And what we see taking place is this amazing judgment and freedom and release uh, by God. And so we see the 10 plagues in Exodus. Um, you know, we see the, the plagues of God uh, being distributed to uh, the people of Egypt. Now, let's be very clear. In fact, Exodus 12, 12 states that, that God executes these judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And so this is a, th- these, these plagues, these are judgments against the gods of Egypt. And so you may ask yourself, and, and we probably do all the time, you know, why do the innocent suffer? Why do the women and children suffer? Well, the fact is there, there are no innocent, and it doesn't matter if you're uh, a woman or a child. The fact is God is executing judgment upon false gods. And so if you choose to worship those false gods, then you will fall under the umbrella of their judgment. And so, just to be very clear, the, the beautiful uh, unveiling of God's wrath on, on different gods was seen in the, in the plagues. And so, God systematically is not just lashing out and, and, and raining punishment on the Egyptian people. What he's actually doing is systematically defeating their gods. And so, all of the plagues are directly tied into their different gods. And, and so we see some of the gods of, of Egypt. Now remember, they're very, very uh, polytheistic. In fact, you know, Pharaoh himself thought himself to be, you know, a god. And so they're, they're all kinds of gods. But, but take a look at this list. The god Acker, god of earth, helper of the dead. Uh, Aten, the sun god. Bess, uh, the protector of, at birth and the dispenser of uh, virility, uh, Heketh, uh, the primordial goddess, Isis, goddess of life and healing, uh, Kefri, another primordial god, rising uh, uh, of the sun, uh, Kanum, the giver of the Nile, and the creator of mankind, 
Uh, you may be familiar with this one. He's uh, got the human with the ram's head. Uh, Mut, the eye of the sun. Nut, the sky goddess, mother of heavenly bodies. Osiris, uh, for the dead pharaohs and the ruler of the dead, life and vegetation. Ra, god of sun, earth, and sky. This is their national god. This is the human with the, the falcon head that you see a lot of uh, Egyptian um, art. Selkit, the guardian of life, protector of the dead. Uh, the scorpion symbolizes this god. Seth, god of chaos, desert, and storm, crops. And Sothis, the god of the Nile and the flood waters. And then Thermithius, goddess of fertility and harvest and faith. Now you may already uh, I'd be able to quickly identify, you know, some of the the plagues, you know, with with the blood in the Nile, you know, the, the frogs, the gnats, the, the swarms of insects, uh, the pestilence, the boils, the hail. All of these then are, even the darkness and, and the locusts, are, are attacks on the different individual gods. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look back, take a look back at, at Exodus 12, uh, in understanding Passover, so that we understand what was actually taking place, not only at that Passover ceremony, but what we'll see is really what takes place on the cross. And so the first reason that Jesus had to die uh, was because Jesus is your sacrificial lamb. So uh, Exodus 12 verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. Speak to all the congregations of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if each household is too small for a lamb, then he and his near, neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. And so we see this uh, this first step is that there there needs to be a sacrificial lamb. Now keep in mind these are the instructions that are given uh, to Moses just before the actual event of Passover. Uh, Moses is given instructions by God, and the Passover animal is is a lamb. Uh, Passover lamb is the animal that God directs Israelites uh, to use as as a sacrifice. They're to use this sacrifice in Egypt uh, on the night that God is to strike down the firstborn sons uh, of every household. And so what we need to understand is that a sacrifice needs to be made on the behalf uh, of the people in order uh, to avoid being struck down. We see that the final plague in this series of ten plagues against uh, false gods, this final plague, God uses uses Pharaoh, and, and, it, and it actually leads to Pharaoh's uh, releasing the Israelites from slavery, and, and we see that uh, being explained in Exodus 11.1. 1. So God instructs the Israelites to observe the Passover feast, to, to observe these, and these are in fact instructions, 
to observe this Passover feast as an, a, a lasting memorial. Uh, Exodus 12.1, this is to be at the beginning of the month, this is to be the first month of the year. And so this, this is set up at a specific time of the year uh, that they're to you know, obey and, and, and follow the, the, the outlines of what Passover is. We see in verse 14, now this day will be a memorial to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord when throughout your generations you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Now, that means it's supposed to be forever. So again, when Jesus changes Passover, that's a pretty big deal because it's supposed to be permanent. And in fact, it is. It's just a continuation of the old uh, covenant and the old Passover into the new covenant into communion. We see in Leviticus 1, uh, Leviticus 1, after Israel escapes Egypt and they're in the desert and and, and Moses is, is writing and, you know, given to him the instructions by God, what the law is. We see a very detailed layout of, of what atonement is and atonement offerings. And so what we come to understand is atonement was actually first seen and is the key to understanding the Passover process. So what was the Passover process, essentially? The Passover process is this. There is sin, and because there is sin, there needs to be a sacrificial lamb. There needs to be a blood payment. If you have the sacrificial lamb, if there is a blood payment, then there will be release from bondage, very specifically outlined in our Passover instructions. We see this transition in Leviticus where it becomes very specific to one's own life. So if you sin, you need a sacrificial lamb, you need blood atonement, blood payment, which will release you from the bondage of sin. See how that works? So it's the same process of redemption. In fact, maybe you might want to look at it in you know phases. You know, phase one in the garden, we start to see the development of the the altar, the blood altar sacrifice. We, we see Noah makes a, an altar, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They all have this concept of the blood altar sacrifice. Uh, then we see a little more details in phase two uh, in the Passover. A little bit more detail. Um, were very specifically kind of outlined. But then even more so in Leviticus, as we just explained, the sacrificial system, even some different ceremonies of of uh, festivals and offerings. And then finally, we see kind of the, the phase four where we see it's actually Jesus who is the sacrifice for sin. He is the, the, the lamb. He is the blood payment. He will release us from bondage. And so God is very consistent, very orderly through, through from the very beginning of Adam all the way through Jesus, this is really the same process. And Passover uh, really symbolizes that. And so the second reason that Jesus had to die was, was that Jesus is your, your spotless offering. Verse 5, your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And so this 
sacrificial lamb that we just talked about is not only just a lamb, it has to be um, a lamb that that is unblemished, an unblemished lamb. And, and so what does that mean? That means this, this lamb has to be has to be perfect uh, without spot or wrinkle. Uh, you know, you can imagine as, as lambs are, you know, wild animals and, and are, are out that they would, could run into different um, ways to get, to get hurt, you know. And so there's, there's clear instructions that they're to be without any defect or, you know, not blind or, you know, any fractured limbs or maims or, you know, no sores, no scabs, no bruises, no tears, no cuts, no cuts. And so there's actually a process of going through and, and pulling out these perfect, unblemished lambs. In fact, if they weren't perfect and unblemished, then, then the, uh, you would have to buy one that you know, actually met the specifications. And so that actually, unfortunately, turned into uh, a form of, a form of, of great abuse um, in the temple. Well, what is taking place here? What's taking place when we look at this idea of we we need a sacrificial lamb, but it but it needs to be it needs to be spotless, it needs to be uh, perfect. Well, in First Peter one uh, eighteen through nineteen, we we get a, a, a clear picture. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, uh, you you can't buy your redemption. From the, your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers. But how do you redeem yourself? Verse 19, but with, with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So you, you notice that first, in First Peter 1 verse 19, the, the presupposition is that you already completely understand what, what a lamb is, what an unblemished lamb is, what a spotless lamb is, because we learn this in Passover. We learn this in the Levitical law. And so how is this ultimately fulfilled? Well, it's fulfilled with the precious blood of Jesus, who then is the perfect spotless lamb. And so one of the things we, we want to take note of in, in this process of Passover is this is God's process. This isn't Moses's. This isn't a, a council of Pharisees. This is, this is God giving instruction to Moses. And we need to understand that. We need to understand it, it's, it's only God's way. We want to redefine the Bible. We want to redefine who God is. We, we want to make God a postmodern God. We want to make God a, you know, a different God than what the scriptures say. And it's very important that we understand we must follow God's instructions. In Leviticus 22, uh, verse 20 through 21, God reveals and outlines atonement. And again, he, he gives that clear relationship to Passover, that clear relationship to a male uh, without defect, perfect, uh, being described, which we will see in the future is only Jesus being qualified to be called the one. You know, we see this in Revelation who is worthy to break the seal, right? Who's worthy? Well, only only the lamb 
Only the Lamb of God is, is, is worthy to break the seal because only He was perfect. He was completely free from sin. We saw that in Hebrews 4.19. In fact, John, the Apostle John, sees a, 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 a picture of, of Jesus in uh, the book of Revelations, in Revelation 5, uh, verse 6. As, and Jesus is uh, that, that lamb that had been slain. And so we, we see the process of, of a spotless offering being mandatory in Passover. We see that process in Leviticus. And then we see this taking place on the cross, on the cross. And so you have to ask yourself, either this is completely ironic or God-ordained God planned. And so the idea then of the spotless offering is that there's no corruption in the offering itself. So the offering, it's worthy and it's an honorable payment. Very, very important for us to understand that. Well, the third reason that Jesus had to die is Jesus is your blood payment. Uh, Jesus is your sacrificial lamb. Jesus is your spotless uh, offering which then allows Jesus to be your blood payment. Verse 5, your lamb, your lamb shall be unblemished, male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in it in which they eat it. And so God said that when he saw the, the lamb's blood on the doorframe of the house, then he would, he would pass over and, and pass over that home and not permit uh, the destroyer. We see this in Exodus 12, 23, as we read earlier, not permit the destroyer to enter. That means that, that this household, because of the blood payment, the blood offering, this household shall escape from judgment. The destroyer will pass over and go to the next. And so again, you can, you can picture this, this destroyer going from house to house. And if you could picture row houses, and as he comes to, to door number one, if there's blood, he moves on. Door number two, blood, he moves on. Door number three, no blood, judgment. Blood number, door number four. And so this is how judgment takes place individually as well. As you step in front of the judge before the throne of God, well, you will be guilty unless you have that, that blood covering payment to where God just moves on to the next. And so any home with, without the blood of the lamb would have their firstborn son struck down that night. Could, could you imagine? Could you imagine just by your, your own pride and arrogance and disobedience that you were told, look, there, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be a judgment. And, and all you have to do is is... Is, is get a sacrificial lamb, get a spotless lamb, put the blood over your doorposts and, and your child will be saved. Could you imagine the next day when, when you walk out your front door 
and your child is dead and you look to the left and to the right and your neighbor's children are alive and you look at the doorpost and the blood is there but it's not on yours, how foolish you would feel. Why? Because you didn't follow God's instructions. Simple instructions, not hard. And so by faith, uh, some would apply this perfect blood on the tops and the sides of the door frames. And this would then be the payment. And so Jesus is your payment. Jesus is my payment. And so believers, we apply the sacrificial blood of Christ uh, to, our, to our hearts. And so we escape death. We escape eternal punishment. We see this in Hebrews 9.12 and 9.14. We see this beautiful picture in Passover that judgment is passed over. Yes, uh, Romans 3.10, all have sinned. There's none righteous. We Yes, we understand Romans 6.23 that there's a wage, there's a, there's, there's a payment for sin, and that payment is death. But we also see in Romans 6.23, but, 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 the free gift is eternal life. And how do you get the free gift? How do you get eternal life? How do you have judgment pass over you? Well, it's the same today as it was then. Jesus paying the price with his blood. So just as Passover's lambs, the Passover lambs' uh, blood applied to the door frames caused the destroyers to pass over each household, so too Christ's blood applied causes God's judgment to pass over sinners. He gives life to those who believe. So the fourth reason that Jesus had to die was Jesus is your freedom. Jesus is your freedom. Well, back to, back to the book, Exodus 12, uh, verse, starting with verse 8. And they shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread. And bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roast it with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it until the morning, but when, uh, but whatever is left of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's. Passover, for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord and the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. See, the first Passover marked the Hebrews' release from Egyptian slavery, the release from bondage. It was their freedom. It was their freedom. And so what we see here in this beautiful picture of an act of faith, 
laying out blood on the doorpost becomes the ultimate freedom from judgment, the ultimate freedom from death. It's freedom from death. And so we see then here in chapter 12, we see not only the, the Passover instructions, but then we, we also see uh, how this takes place. And so one of the elements that, that we see is that this, this happens really fast, right? And so there's, there's two events that are connected here for all time. One is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and, and the other one is the Passover, and, and, and they're connected. And so you know, the observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is kind of the idea of, of, of the, you know, you have to make haste. And, and, and the idea is you need to remove the, the yeast. You need to remove the sin from the camp. Uh, and so the first Passover then held uh, remembrance for this feast as well as Passover. Well, as we read earlier in Luke twenty two fourteen through 20, Christians... Christians are to memorialize the Lord's death and communion until he returns. We see this 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Why? Well, remember, this is intended to be a permanent, a, a, a permanent tradition uh, forever. This is to be uh, memorialized, a permanent ordinance forever. And so Passover then goes from the Old Testament Jews to uh, the New Testament Christians. We see in Romans 8 too, Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. How? Because Christ was the sacrificial lamb. Christ was the spotless offering. Christ is, is your blood payment. Christ then is the one who sets you free from the bondage, who sets you free from, from the destroyer. And so Romans 6, 6, Romans 6, 16, Romans 6, 18 talks about this idea of slavery. You are no longer slaves, not to Egypt, but to sin. You're no longer slaves to sin. Instead, you become slaves of righteousness, slaves of righteousness. And so the Passover lamb, although a reality in that time was still a mere foreshadowing of, and we learn this in our study in Hebrews, of a better, a better Passover, a better lamb, a better sacrifice. And the final Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, and through his sinless life and sacrificial death, Jesus became the only one capable of giving people a way of escape and a sure hope of eternal life. Again, 1 Peter 1, 20, uh, 21, verse 21. And Jesus would then die once, one time, for all. When, when, when we look at Exodus chapter 12 again later on, we see in verse 43, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it, but every man's slave purchased with money after you have been circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not only to bring forth any 
of the of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all the males be circumcised and let him come near to celebrate it and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And it came about on the same day that the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Passover is a prelude to communion. We see so many beautiful uh, typologies here. No, no foreigner is to partake of Passover, just as no non-believers to partake of communion. Only the circumcised are to partake in Passover, that meaning the, the, the children of Israel, just as the children of God or the body of believers are the only ones who are to take uh, communion. They are to be observed for, for generations. And, and one of the beautiful things is, you know what? If you're a sojourner, if you're, if you're a sojourner and, and you're away from home, you can celebrate Passover with us because you're family. It's the same thing with communion. If you're a believer, if you're part of the body of Christ, then you are welcome to celebrate communion. And so today we see this beautiful uh, foreshadowing of, of a better and a final, final Passover lamb through the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to die. He was the only one who could die. Why? Because Jesus is the only sacrificial lamb who was a spotless offering and so whose blood payment then was able to free mankind from their sin forever. Let's pray.